Welcome to the This is Reno Radio Show. We're broadcasting from Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. And this is Reno.com, Reno's online news and event source. All right, Dana, we are live. We are live and recording. Awesome. What's happening, Bob? Uh, we need to talk about how Socrates died. Yeah, I heard... Uh, it's uh, not not what it's... Uh, well, allegedly died. He yeah. allegedly died by drinking hemlock tea. Because that was a long, long time ago. That was a few years back. Yeah. And uh, we did a story. Uh, somebody brought it to our attention that the county had put up a warning sign warning about hemlock growing along the river. And there had been some kind of alarmist uh, Facebooking going on. And come to find out, it's not a threat to public health unless you eat it. So if you are one of those folks that likes to go along the river eating random weeds, plants, things of that sort, you might be at risk. So the county officials are warning you to stay away. I, I love the look of a hemlock plant. I've taken lots of pictures of them. It's yeah. a really cool looking plant, and I've been taking pictures of them for like a long time. I've never had any desire to eat the hemlock. Well, apparently you can make a, a, a tea out of it, uh, Socrates style. Mm-hmm. So let's keep that in mind. Having said that, we did speak with a Washoe County Parks official, Colleen Wallace-Barnum. Here's what she had to say about the potential toxicity of hemlock. Um, I will let you know that um, poison hemlock is a plant that naturally grows um, in moist areas, so we would find it along the Truckee River or ditches and creeks. There is a sign at Daraskar Park, so that sign is um, is where this uh, this story was coming from. Um, and uh, the poison hemlock is actually growing quite tall right along the nature trail, um, which is a pretty heavily used trail system uh, just, you know, a couple hundred feet away from the parking lot. So um, the trail received significant damage from the flood, so there's a lot of uneven footing. So the trail sign was really, um, I think, initially put in there to warn the public about, you know, uneven footing and the trail damage washouts on the trail. And then in addition, there is some poison hemlock to be aware of. Is there a concern about its toxicity? You know, the toxicity um, that, that comes with poison hemlock actually comes upon ingestion. So you would have to eat part of the plant in order to get that toxic uh, poison in your system. You would have to eat a lot of it. I don't know how much. I'm not sure what the quantity is, but every part of the plant is poisonous. So the flower, the seeds, you know, the stalk, the... the, the um, you know, every part of it is, is poisonous, so uh, really no part is safe. And um, so it would be important to, you know, stay away from it. Um, you know, if you could identify it properly, you know, just say, oh, that's poison hemlock. You know, you probably wouldn't be want to be, you know, in too close proximity. Um, you know, it, it doesn't do it unless you ingest it. It's not going to be poisonous or fatal to you. Um, and that, um, you know, if you do have some 
sensitivity to your skin. If you brush up against it, you might get a, a mild irritation, but it's nothing like a poison oak or a poison ivy skin irritation. Fairly minimal is not a public health crisis by any means. Um, it is simply to make sure people are aware that there is a plant growing, you know, along the nature trail, in addition to the washouts on the trail that, you know, you need to be aware of. Great. So you, you don't have any concerns about the public safety at all of, of this? So it's actually poisonous to um, to humans and to animals, like domestic animals, um, and even, you know, grazing animals. So it would be dangerous in a rangeland setting where cattle or, you know, or sheep might be grazing in, in those areas. But no, not as far as fumes or anything like that. I couldn't verify any of that information. And I... I Poison hemlock has been in our parks for a long time. We have noxious weeds. It's considered a noxious weed. Um, it's it's uh, something we have to measure. We have to we have to map it and control it, you know, over the years. So this is just one of many noxious weeds that we have to control. Mm-hmm. And it is not um, anything. I'm I'm, you know, not not a crisis. Hopefully this other message will get out there and people will understand where we're coming from. And we want them, you know, come out and use the parks, please. You know, we're, we're, this is not a crisis. The local goat farmers were very appreciative of, of this story, as well as the master gardeners, because they recognize that hemlock is it's in, it's in our ecosystem and yeah. it has been for a long time. So it's not really a reason for... So uh, we should be aware of it. We should be aware, but we shouldn't be scared. You're probably more likely to trip on the a park path or get you know sucked down the river with these high flows that we have etc mm-hmm. those are more real risks than yeah. ingesting hemlock cuz i i never heard of anybody ingesting hemlock here locally we should do a media event where local media personalities uh sample hemlock tea oh oh yeah that's a good idea and you're first in line what yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have other news that just literally popped up in the last day or two. If you remember back from September, there was a big controversy about the Hillside Cemetery. Yes. A lot of people came forward wanting to save it, people with their uh, relatives there, and and protesting how it hasn't been maintained and how somebody wants to build, uh, I think, student housing. That was the allegation going around at the time. We did uh, speak with the uh, then developer, uh, who was uh, the owner of Sierra Memorial Gardens, which mm-hmm. is another cemetery. They own the land around the grave sites. But what I should say is that they wanted to remove and relocate 740 remains of some of which were Reno's founding fathers. Yeah. Well, so what has happened since then is behind the scenes, uh, there has been legislation advancing through this session of the legislature trying to basically add another layer of protection so that previously a local cemetery board or authority or whatever you want to call it could authorize uh, the removal of remains. And what this bill that was just passed uh, comes out and does is it adds a layer of protection that says a government entity has to uh, basically be a part of that process. So I spoke with Barry Lynn. She's a local preservationist, and uh, she's been involved with this effort. And here's what she had to say. So basically, um, just some background so that you can understand why this bill is needed. Um, 
Any cemeteries in Nevada founded prior to 1972 are not under the jurisdiction of the Nevada Board of Funeral and Cemetery Services. Is that so, the cemetery authority? No, no. This is very confusing. So a cemetery authority is not any sort of official oversight um, committee or anything like that. A cemetery authority can be you, it could be me, it could be a church, it could be a city. It's anyone who owns a cemetery is a cemetery authority, including a natural person, okay? Mm, okay. So the Nevada Board of Funeral and Cemetery Services is the body that oversees the cemetery authorities. However, they only have jurisdiction over cemetery authorities who own cemeteries that were founded after 1972. So that's the problem, and that's the problem at Hillside, is that, um, I mean, and this is like, this is a tangent too, but there is no such thing as a cemetery authority for a cemetery founded prior to 1972 because there's no way to establish it because the Nevada Board of Funeral and Cemetery Services can't issue you a certificate of authority they can't oversee you because you're exempt because their reign began in 1972, okay? So the, when you see cemetery authority all through AB203, just keep that in mind that it's people who are calling themselves a cemetery authority when they really don't have a certificate of authority like they would if the cemetery was newer. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's like right. the Wild West. So basically what happened at um, at Hillside, Hillside was the impetus behind AB203, but the good news is, is that AB203 protects all Nevada cemeteries that were founded prior to 1972. Um, and in 2001, um, John Lawton, who was then the owner of the three parcels at Hillside Cemetery, that were the common areas, the pathways in between all of the privately owned burial plots. You know about that, right? How they're all privately owned? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The burial plots. Okay. So John Lawton bought only three APNs, okay, and there's really nobody buried on his land. And so um in, in two thousand one he um brought a bill to the legislature um that said that a cemetery authority may unilaterally deem their own cemetery blighted and call for disinterment of bodies, okay? Mm. So before 2001, it said that a local governmental authority had to deem it blighted. So Mm. what they did in 2001 was they took that away and they made themselves judge, jury, and executioner, okay? So this was all a plan for them to try to take over the cemetery and develop it. They had all these obstacles in the way. They never realized that they were not cemetery authority. They're one of like 158 property owners at Hillside. So basically, they're one property owner that posted a disinterment notice on 151 other property owners. You know what I mean? They're not really the cemetery authority, but they think they are, but you know, whatever. So, um, so what AB203 does is it brings back the local government oversight. So now it says that if a cemetery is deemed 
so blighted that you've got to dig everyone up that the local government, either the city or the county in which the cemetery is located, has to actually be the one to say yes. It is so blighted that we have to dig everyone up. Okay. okay. No longer can the cemetery authority do that themselves. Um, so uh, the second thing it does is it says, okay, so if we're going to talk disinterment, we have to we have to rule two things out first. Number one, is there any party who will agree to take on the maintenance of the cemetery, to step up to the plate and say we will maintain it? And if not, then B, can the cemetery be sold for market value? And if the answer to either one of those is yes, then disinterment is not an option. It's only if the cemetery cannot be sold and if no one is willing to step up and maintain it that then the city or county can now say, okay, let's begin disinterring everyone, okay? Um, that's the main thing that it does is it brings back the cemetery law into balance the way that it was prior to 2001 when they when they knocked it out of the balance. So the the most important thing is that because there is no state authority that oversees these older cemeteries, it's very, very important that the cemetery laws be very clear um, to protect, you know, the people who have loved ones buried in those older cemeteries. Like my dad, for example, is buried in a cemetery on Las Vegas Boulevard right by the Strip that was founded in the 1950s. So mm -hmm. this protects his final resting place um, as well. So um, it, it's kind of a very far-reaching bill. So one of the other things that it, it, make, it makes very, very clear is that um, you cannot disinter bodies from property that is owned in fee simple by a party other than the cemetery authority. So that was not clear in the statute, and that's basically the Fifth, Amend uh, the fifth Amendment of the Constitution, um, that, you know, you can't go onto someone else's private property and take it unless you are doing eminent domain, and you can't do eminent domain unless you're, you know, the federal government. So. Um, right. That, that it made that clarification because we do have cemeteries in Nevada where the people have a deed to their burial plot. They have an assessor's parcel number and it's that they own that land and it does not belong to the cemetery. We have other cemeteries where the burial plots are leased and um, they, they do, that you're just leasing it, you know what I mean? And then the land still belongs to the cemetery. But um, so it clarifies that. The other thing it says is that um, from the time a notice of disinterment is posted, that there has to be a time of um, at least a year before anyone is disinterred. Um, and it also says that if, if disinterment happens and if people are going to be dug up and reburied, that they have to be buried in a suitable receptacle and that it has to meet industry standards for a coffin, you know, it has to be something designed to withstand the movement of the earth um, because these guys, we're pretty sure we're just planning on reburying everyone in cardboard boxes, like crunching up their bones into little small packages and reburying them. 
Um, and the the last thing that it does is it says, okay, in the event that a cemetery authority is just completely neglecting the cemetery, they refuse to maintain it, they refuse to find anyone to maintain it, that the city or county in which the um, cemetery is located may, or I'm sorry, the district attorney of the county in which the cemetery is located may transfer that cemetery to the city. And then the city may contract with somebody to maintain it. So it basically gives the local government now power because what happened was between 2001 and now, the city couldn't do anything about Hillside because the way that they, they took them out of the, the law in 2001. So there's a lot of, you know, disinterment can still happen, but there's a lot more checks and balances that have to happen now. Um, mm -hmm. And we're getting to a point where, you know, cemeteries founded before 1972, they are old and historic, and, um, you know, it's going to be better if, they, if this process is overseen. So it basically makes it so that somebody who's a speculator can't come in buy a cemetery because it now occupies prime real estate and just dig everyone and build, uh, dig everyone up and build, which is what almost happened. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just gives a little bit more oversight to that process. All right. What do we have coming up this weekend? Well, it's a three-day weekend. Memorial Day weekend? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. A, so uh, you saw the last play at uh, Reno Little Theater. Reno Little Theater's production of... And I think there's only one or two weekends left. Probably only one. Murder in Green Meadows. Yeah. Uh, and on de on December, uh, try May 28th. I think I need to get my seasons correct. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. A great play. Uh, we saw it last weekend. And Reno Little Theater productions are always very well done. Yes. And great acting. Um, it was, how do I describe the plot? It is. It surrounds two couples who basically some things go down and a murder is committed. And this is what this play is about, what happens, as like how the murder comes out into the open. Mm -hmm. And it's not what you would think. And I'm going to leave it at that. Ooh, maybe that's what I will do this weekend. Go it's check a that nice out. twist at the end and very well done. I love the acting. These folks are just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, everything is so solid. It ran a little theater. Yeah. I mean, they've been at it for almost 100 years. And I should also note, too, speaking of Reno Little Theater, we did get a preview of what's happening at Art Town this year. Here's what Jennifer Mannix with Art Town had to say about some of their big headlining events coming up. And we are doing a lot in Spanish. We're doing Discover the Arts and Sparks in Spanish. We're also doing some special arts education in Spanish. And then we're also producing our collateral materials in Spanish. So to me, that's just huge. I think it's time that we do that, and it'll be wonderful. Literary is absolutely new this year, and we probably have 12 events this year, ranging from some R-rated events to some, some PG events. It's going to be very fun, and we really felt it was time to have the literary with us, so we're very excited about that. The big headliners this year, well, I think one of the most popular ones is Revolution. That is actually Prince's band. But we also have something for everyone. 
We have Shea Malamba, which is Argentinian gaucho dancers. We have Steel Drivers, who is a bluegrass uh, performance. And then we have an evening with Randy Newman, who is so popular. And we have a lot of family activities. We don't forget our roots, which is arts education. And I think that's very important for the community. 70% of our events, which we have 500 events, are free. And it's just about our town giving back to the community. 90% uh, are local artists, and I think that's important for people to know. Really, it is about our town, and it's about our community. What else do we have going on, Dana? So, in the theater world, uh, Bruca has Stupid Effing Bird. Mm. And I, that's I, effing with asterisks. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and it is absolutely brilliant. It is based off of uh, The Seagull by Chekhov. And updated, so it's modern. And I can't say enough great about this. The directing, fantastic. The actors, fantastic. There's uh, a gunshot, so you can't be shy. There were gunshots in Murder in Green Meadows. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. And you, you have to be they forewarned. Have it scared the crap out of us. Did they have brief old? nudity? Because there was brief nudity. In there was nothing. not brief nudity that Bird. I can recall. That I can recall. Yeah. So yeah, this was um, excellent, excellent show. Really long. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it went till almost eleven. So it's it's a long, but it keeps you going, keeps you interested. It is just brilliant and funny. It's about um, unrequited love and what happens in people's lives when that unrequited love becomes too much. Mm-hmm. So great. And there's audience participation. Uh, very, very good. And May 26th, so that's Friday, 7 to 9. Words to Live By, An Evening with Dorothy Parker. This is, I believe, a... It's going to be at the Boiler Room on Mill Street. I'm not even sure where that is. So this, I believe, is helping them to get some money to go take this production to New York. Hmm. Uh, locally written by Mary Bennett. It is amazing. Um, the Art Museum has a three-minute film festival on the 25th. Okay. Six to eight. So I heard a little bit about that. That sounds really good. Can we give a shout-out to the dogs? To the dogs? Yeah. Mutt's in May an event on May 27th from 10 to 1. Ooh. Yeah, come by and fall in love with your new family member. like that. I don't yeah. have a dog. I have a cat. I could use a dog. Yeah, and that's sponsored by naturalpawsreno.com, so you can contact them for information. So Go adopt a little furry friend. That sounds wonderful. Um, this being a three-day weekend, it uh, there's not a whole lot going on here in Reno. But the Reno Street Food, I think, isn't this the first weekend for the Reno Street Food? I think for it was Friday, season? last Friday. Last Friday? Yeah. The Little River Band is coming, May 27th, to the Nugget. I love them. Yes. We also have Craft Wine and Beer hosting Fumare. I hope I pronounced that correctly. That is a cigar smoking, tasting. What do you do with cigars? Enjoy I, them? You enjoy them. That's... A, a cigar-enjoying event. I mean, that's that's a Me, real kind of art form to keep a cigar going. Or, yeah. Yeah. 
This is from Ty, sponsored. Uh, come on down and join us for an incredible stogie or two. We'll be pairing Dion Gialetto's excellent Illusione cigars. Mm-hmm. I am not pronouncing any of this correctly. With a few cocktails as well as some straight pours you may never have considered. So that's three to six at Craft Wine and Beer on Sunday the 28th. Yeah, it's like right across the street. Damn straight. Right across the street from the offices of This Is Reno. Yes. Uh, so what are you doing this weekend? Three-day weekend. I have housework to do. Mm. We're going out of town actually before, but yes. Yes. I'm going to go out and find something to do a live video on. So if anybody listening to this has suggestions, mm-hmm. leave them in the comment. Absolutely. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for listening to the This Is Reno Radio Show. Please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review. Also, visit us online for daily news and events at thisisreno.com. We are locally owned and operated.